Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 16 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast presents Enchantress After Dark. This is a new series with the same great contents, just a wee bit more intimate with our guests. In the past two years, we have been the official podcast for the Allure signing in 2022 and the Readers Take Denver convention in 2023. We're thrilled that in 2024, we are the official podcast for the Dark Star Con, happening in New Orleans in August 29th through September 1st. Tickets are still available, so make sure you grab them and we'll get to hang out with all of these wonderful authors and narrators, including my guest today, author C.R. Jane. Thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited. Me too. I'm excited to get to know you better and have all these talk about all your books because, girl, you write in all these different things and we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm like, that's like my jam. So, Zier, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started. All right. So I started in 2018. I'm a Texas girl, but I don't live in Texas anymore. But that's very important for you to know, first of all. OK, go Dallas <laughs> Cowboys, which always ends in heartbreak. But yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I love to travel. I have um, a husband and two little girls. And I also am a partner in a law firm as well as being still like a full-time author. So life is a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. I started in 2018 though. And so my first daughter, we're going to start off the podcast heavy. So sorry about this. No, it's Uh, good. I had to do um, IVF. We were did fertility treatments for six years. And, you know, finally we're doing IVF. We have a successful IVF. The pregnancy goes smoothly at the very end. I get a little bit of preeclampsia. And so we have our daughter come out, um, like two weeks early. And when she's born, she's born super sick, like her weight's good, all of that, but her lungs aren't working. And so they took her to the NICU and we have this huge NICU where I live. And they literally told us she was the sickest baby in the hospital. And anyway, long story short, it was a miracle that she survived. But I got severe postpartum depression after just the experience of infertility. And then, you know, having my miracle child almost die, just, just so terrifying terrible. And so I read a lot, you know, I'd hold my baby and I would just be reading constantly. And at one point I was like, I think I can do this. So I just started writing. Um, I didn't tell anyone besides my husband and I just published it in that first book for some reason, um, ended up going viral and reached number 100 in Amazon. And we've kind of grown from there. It was all just crazy how it all started, I guess moral of the story. Yeah. And I think it's good to have that conversation, you know, even they're like, oh, it's, it's going to start heavy. People have known if they listen to this uh, podcast for a while, I went through my own um, infertility and it was because I have PCOS and I have MTHFR. It's a motherfucker gene. Uh, <laughs> the acronyms is fantastic for that one. Basically means that I have uh, blood clotting issues. It only affects me in two stages in life, old age and pregnancy. And so I wasn't able to, I've had three losses. And so we ended up with my son via adoption and, uh, and we adopted an older child. He was 11 at the time. And this is also kind of the conversations where sometimes with trigger warnings and, yeah. you know, people are like, 
there's some authors of the mindset, oh, we shouldn't include them. Others love them. In fact, I think they kind of go, let's make this list longer. <laughs> it's like that running joke with a scroll that just keeps on going with uh-huh. the trigger warnings. But sometimes some of us in the community are like, did you guys all forget that pregnancy losses and should be considered a trigger warning? Um, because we all react differently to it. Some of us can go ahead and do it and like nothing. And they're like, great. Cause they can, and others are like, yeah, you know what? I can't right now too close still. So I think it's an important conversation, but also like as a person, as I just struggle through all that, I think it's just, sometimes it's good to have this conversation. It doesn't take anything away. And, and also the postpartum thing, it happens to a lot of women, regardless of what the end result with the child could be. Right. Whether they come home or they don't, it's still a thing. And Again, it's important as women that we have these conversations and don't make them taboo. So thank you for sharing all that with us. Yeah, of course. And this is where your your writing is also like when I was like doing more research and doing deep dives on CIG, uh, I'm going, oh, okay, cool. So Because you write not only in one specific genre, sometimes authors do, they kind of stick to the one thing and there's various reasons for it, but you have written paranormal and contemporary and also the whole reverse harem thing where does that all kind of come like what made you go i'm gonna do this genre versus anything else so 2018 was when reverse harem was just starting and i think you know i was one of those early adopters my first series is reverse harem and that's kind of where i lived for the first couple of years and definitely i i was an early adopter and i benefited from that for sure but within Reverse Harem, I I just have always been wanting to write like whatever I wanted to. It, it just keeps me happy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think there are similar themes throughout all my books. Like, for example, you will never have a nice mother in any of my books. And I guess I do have one co-write with Ivy Fox where the mom is nice, but that wasn't my idea. Any of my personal books you'll have similar themes of kind of like angst and certain personalities with the guys and plenty of heartbreak mixed in there. I think readers or listeners of the audio books, they know what they're in for with a C.R. Jane book, no matter if I'm talking about vampires, werewolves, or hockey players, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, I'll take a, a genre form that is popular. And then, you know, I, I feel I'll add something like extra that kind of turns it on its head. And you definitely see that with the Pucking Wrong series. Everyone was releasing these. Hockey was like your safe read, right? When you're (laughs) having a bad day, you just like pull it out and you know, it's going to be just like low angst and whatever. And then I bring Lincoln Daniels in and he's a special kind of, of darkness and definitely made people talk in hockey <laughs> <laughs> yeah we usually think sports romance oh there's going to be either a rom-com or it's going to be kind of like a traditional contemporary where there might be some issues usually he has to go to another state because of you know got into another league or whatever but you're like no let's just go do this instead <laughs> yeah and what i did with the fucking wrong series too and what i've done with others is I, it's like, I take whatever I'm tired of and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to turn it, do something completely different from this. Right. So like bully romance, it's like an enemies to lovers where the guy just treats the person absolutely like crap. You know, we were all addicted to those for a while. I mean, there's lots of people that still are obviously, 
And the guy is, you know, he becomes obsessed at the end while he's like being horrible to her. And I've, I've written like enemies to lovers, bully romance before, but with the Pucking Wrong series, I was like, well, what if I just take all those characteristics that people love, the morally gray, the obsessive, et cetera, willing to do whatever, even if it's wrong. And I'm like, what if I make him nice to her though? Like while he has those traits. So it's like confusing to the reader as they are reading or listening, they're like, I should hate him, but I love him because he's so nice to her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bit of that. He's asshole to everyone else, but not to her. <laughs> but not even like that. He's, it's just like, he is morally gray. Like he is going to do whatever it takes to get his girl in the most like wrong ways possible, but it's not going to be like torturing her while he does it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I think that that's also where sometimes we're going, oh, okay, because there's some readers that want that excessive darkness, including towards the heroine. And I'm like, I would have kicked his ass in like the like the very chapter, page one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I was just over it. Like I had written a bunch of those. And then I was like, you know what? I think I want to take like what I love most about those books, the like morally gray obsession and just like make him like the dreamy book boyfriend to her while he's doing all these terrible things, you know? Yeah. And that's also kind of a great way to kind of grab that other side of the readers that are not into the full dark bromance. Of right. Because I've been reading for years and there's a lot of stuff that started off as being categorized when it was the dark romance first started coming up as an option as a genre. And I'm going, this is not so dark. What are you talking about? And then now it's like, Flips completely like he kidnapped her, killed everybody in the family, rapes her and everything. And she's like, but I love you. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, not yucking anybody's yum. If you like that, by all means, thanks for the recommendation. I'm going to put it here. I'll even buy the book and support the author by reading it. Um, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay. And I, that's one of the things with your books I've noticed. You do have that. Like, it's okay. Well, he's still, I like how he did it. I'm like, yeah, he earned her <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> I like writing what I want to read, like at the moment. I mean, even in your bio says, and I write whatever the I want. And I kind of want to think that you may have even put a, like whatever the fuck I want, but you're like, it's going to be public. I'm going to take that curse word out. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can still be profitable and make all your other dreams come true and also write what you want, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, to be a freelancer and not have, I mean, technically, like you don't have a boss, but you still have responsibilities and you still have that, you know, side that you kind of have to hit, which is technically like a boss, right? But to still be able to say, but I- I'm still my own boss. I can do what I want. And right. regardless of what the trends are, that's just so empowering. And I love that you have it there right on your bio, just in case anybody has a question about it. <laughs> yeah, I've just been lucky that readers have been along with me for the ride. <laughs> I also see, though, and I've seen it uh, through the years that sometimes the authors are a little concerned about you know jumping into a different genre. Some will still do that, but do it under a different name concerning that the, uh, the, you know, the readers and the listeners might get confused or most importantly that they won't because that's not their jam. And I'm like, actually, I love your writing style and your technique. So if you start writing Cowboys tomorrow, I'll still pick it up <laughs> and read it because it's your book. You're writing it. Yeah. That's been kind of my thinking too, is I've never wanted to create a pen name. I started like my first one was fantasy, right? And my second one was immediately contemporary. So I've always gone back and forth and I've never had a problem with readers who were like, 
you know, maybe it'll be different per signing. Like one signing might be more fantasy focused. And so I see different sales there, but in terms of like overall sales, I haven't seen that people are like, I'm not going to read this. It's like, they're a fan of my writing and the things that I put in more than the specific genre is what I feel like I've seen. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, once an author gets a little bit more comfortable and they start maybe if their readers tell them that and, and actually mean it, that's where sometimes we're like, oh, okay, I don't have to have five different pen names. Or they can start saying, you know what? I do want to write that historical or that cowboy, even though I've never done it before. So that's always good. And I'm glad that it's been successful for you and that you're now an example of like, hey, the is doing it. <laughs> you know, she's not only doing it, she's thriving. <laughs> I'm knocking on, I'm knocking on wood right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I reached this whole new level with the Pucking Wrong series. You know, Lincoln's book made it to number six um, in the country, number one in Australia, number three in Canada. Ari's book reached number eight. Like, you know, there's a lot of fervor around around the series. So the trick will be grabbing on to all those new readers that have come in and hoping they follow me to my next adventures as well. And any of the new ones that have come into this through this series go, oh, I didn't know you re- reverse hair on in fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Check that out. As a reader, and especially since reverse hair is technically a newer genre as well, it's one of those where I've noticed that first for me, I felt a lot more comfortable and like immersed in the world of reverse harem when it was in the fantasy PNR side of things for, cause for whatever reason it was okay in their culture from like day one. And I was like, yeah, it's normal. And then I'm going, do I want to like, I don't mind if I had multiple guys that I'm not sure about the whole, like if it was a traditional harem of sorts of like having me have to share mine because the jealousy stops into play. How do you navigate that sort of logic of, in fantasy, it's okay because you're creating it and then jump into a reverse harem in contemporary world where technically it's this. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I, I mean, first of all, I don't usually write. There's a lot of authors with RH that they'll be coming upon an established group of guys where they're all immediately set on sharing. Mine usually aren't like that. Like there's a lot of my RH series that don't actually have any group scenes. In my Ruining Dahlia Mafia book, which is a standalone, it's three brothers and they under no circumstances want to share. And so it creates a kind, a lot of like juicy tension and angst and like heartbreak there. And so I like doing that a lot. I have an RH series that's with a rock band called The Sound of Us. And they are a group and they had always shared her, but they're still just so different personalities with it that it feels like it falls in like naturally, right? It's like, it truly is like the why choose aspect. Like you don't want to choose when I get done with the characters, even if like, whatever, it'll be difficult for them in real life. Mm -hmm. You can't imagine her not being with all of them because they complete different aspects of her. So I think I kind of like slowly lure you in, in the contemporary RHs rather than it being like this, oh, she's just all of a sudden with this group of 10 men. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's by the end, you're like, huh, somehow we ended up where she's dating three guys. And how did that happen? And I'm okay with it. Whereas with the paranormal ones, it can be more 
a little bit more upfront, but I, I still think I usually am not coming at the reader with this established group that it's like they want to date together. It's like, it's going to be difficult to get them all to agree to date you. And the girl's going to love every minute of it while being torn at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a world where monogamy is a thing. And I think now we're getting more open about having the dialogue of polyamorous and what different dynamics look like and different things. And so I think it's significantly less taboo, but I'm also writing like, aren't you tired girl to the heroine? I'm like, there was one that I was like, it almost every scene that changes, she was having sex with one of the guys. And I'm like, ouch, after a while, I'd be like, I'm tired. Like, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, if your harem gets big, it's definitely hard because you're like, okay, I have to have like complete sex scenes with all of these guys. But I found that three and four are usually my sweet spot. And usually with my RH books, I'm going to be doing more series. Whereas if it's just one guy, it's going to be standalone or duet is kind of how it's ended up. Again, I think it's one of those where we do, we read to kind of disconnect and escape a little bit. And we're like, you know what, if one can do the, so this is where my reverse harem in fantasy comes into place. If I can get just one to do the dishes and one to vacuum without me having to say a damn thing, (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, that's sexy. (laughs) And I'm going to have like similar themes in my RH as my, you know, MF is that like, I can't do MM in books and I can't really read it either when it comes to RH, because besides, um, Lola and the Millionaires, I think she did like a fantastic job of like making Lola still like the center of the world. I feel like usually it ends up the guys like each other more. And you'll see reviews that are like, I wish that they were just together and the girl wasn't involved. Yes. (laughs) And it always made me super jealous because I don't know how other people like read books, but I'm like kind of imagining myself in it. Right. And I'm like, I don't want like anyone to like me or like someone else more than they like me. Okay. (laughs) And so I can never include that because I don't know if I could like write it properly to where people, it was just like, I, there's a difference between RH and like true polyamory like RH is supposed to be where the girl is the center of the world yes. and that's what attracts me to the genre in the first place I'm like I'm a jealous like biatch when it comes to like she has to be the center of the world so you'll never see him in my books because I'm like I don't want to distract and the guys to start liking each other more okay I just can't do it <laughs> but that's a fair and honest thing because I think that it's I've seen that too and I'm and in those books I'm going and you're okay with this? Like I'm having the conversation in my head with the heroine. Yeah. It was all about you. And all of a sudden you're like not in the room and, and they're like going off on and like, no. They have a much higher sex drive than you. Okay. So like you're going to be left out of this equation. All right, ma'am. Yeah. Or <laughs> it takes, like at this point they might realize like you're, you know what? Don't need you. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. So I know that that's like super popular and adding that in, but I don't consider that like true RH when they're all equal relationships. I think of RH and that's what you'll always find in my RH books is the girl is the center of their world. Yeah. And and that's too that again, because we're having those more open dialogue conversations when there are other couples within the harem of sorts, regardless if it's one or the other, as far as reverse or not. Yeah. It's more polyamory. Where reverse harem's like, I am the center of this quadrupleness or whatever it is, you know, tropple. 
And that's where I'm like, and everybody's okay with that. And I'm like, okay. As long as I'm warned about that, that's the situation. But like, I'm always like, I guess what got me is like in the beginning, like 2018, 2019, it would start to be like slipped in, but it was like, they didn't warn you that the guys were going to like each other as much as they liked the girl. And so I was like, what the heck? Now it feels (laughs) like she's all left out. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know? And so... I think I've just been scarred since then. So it's not something that you will see in my book because I'm a jealous girl. Okay. <laughs> hey, it, it's okay. Not everyone. That's what I love about this genre with romance is that there's something for everybody. Exactly. And when you find that jam, go for it, you know, and anyone that's yucking, it can go take a long walk off a short pier. That's right. <laughs> like, me personally, I just like obsession. Like I like just that, like, Oh my goodness. I will do anything to get you. It's like my ultimate just thing. I love to read it. I love to write it. It's just my thing. I love it. And a lot of times we're in the off when the readers are like, can we see them like 10 years in the future? I'm like, no, honey, for those of those that have been married for 20 years, that obsession <laughs> first will do anything <laughs> for you and the house is clean and, and they're anticipating your needs. That's called the honeymoon stage. <laughs> I'm going to keep you on the honeymoon stage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's really funny too, because I am a super alpha type woman. Like I am an uber feminist. Like I have all of those qualities, but like I lose my feminism when I like walk through the door of my books. Okay. Like I have a couple of characters that are real bad A's, but I actually like doing heroines that kind of start out weaker mm-hmm. and then grow as it progresses to where you can see like strength towards the end. But I love the alpha male dynamic actually in my books. And so it's just kind of funny because it doesn't actually match my personality at all. But maybe it's because I feel like I carry that like during the day. And so right. I, need, I need the like softness in my books, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even the conversations of like people when they get into the whole like BDSM role and community, they'll be like, but you're the the tough girl that's in charge of everything and can make these decisions. I'm like, exactly. Which makes me a sub in this world because I don't (laughs) want to think about making another decision. I want to food to be, I want to be told what I need to eat or that this is what we're eating and I'm not going to question it. And that's fine. Okay. I think that's too sometimes where we kind of like do that escapism into our romance. I love a tough girl and a bad bitch from the beginning, but I also love it too when there's that growth in heroin and I'm totally fine with that. I don't like it when they start meek and then and stay meek. I'm like, "Mm." yeah, (laughs) no, you'll always have growth in mine, but definitely I like some girls who like in the pucking wrong series, they've all had really, really tragic past and backgrounds and things they're dealing with and kind of it's like building their strength to get out of the situation and the guys are helping them by being there like over the top like obsessed like healing them with their love and especially in book one with Lincoln and Monroe a lot of people have criticized this so Lincoln does something really 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 crazy towards the end and she forgives him faster than some readers would have liked for how bad it happened. And it was like, well, I'm trying to get you guys to understand is that they're both kind of sick, right? Like she needs, because of her background, she needs the kind of like just overwhelming possessiveness and obsessiveness that Lincoln gives her. And like Lincoln wouldn't work with just a girl who 
who didn't need that, right? Like it would suffocate her and she'd probably end up like dead or something, right? But when you have these deficiencies inside of you, like what I tried to create with Monroe and Blake and what I'm working on um, in Walker's book right now with Olivia, you are going to need that kind of to like heal something inside of you because you had, you didn't have anything like that. You didn't have that love. You didn't have anything that you needed growing up. And so there has to be overcompensation basically later on to fix that is how I've written the characters. Yeah. And I think too, sometimes we, we have a hard time, even within our, our real life scenarios, when we have some friends that are like, maybe she's a little bit tougher and he's a little bit more subdued or like sometimes like very easygoing and she's a little bit more hard on um, like, we like, this is a schedule. We got to keep to this. And he's like, dude, we'll be fine. I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's a dynamic that there's a reason for. And if it works for that couple, no one really else should be saying anything. Now, granted, that's separate. If he's being an asshole and beating the shit out of her, that's a different conversation. Right. Right. But these are these conversations where there's these different dynamics. And if it works for them, those of us kind of like, oh, I would have like, yeah, I would have maybe asked him for, or I just would have like dragged it out more where he has to earn and gravel, (laughs) you know, but that might've been the need for that kind of relationship in that one. It wasn't needed and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Like with Ari and Blake, there's more of a gravel because that was the way their personalities were. Lincoln and Monroe, it's like they, they just don't think the same way that the other characters I've created, like, you know, Lincoln's like basically sick. Like he's obsessed with her in like a very unhealthy way. And she soaks it up in a very unhealthy way and it works for them. And I absolutely love them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's fantasy folks, regardless of the genre. Exactly. It's fiction. Doesn't mean that you need to go out and get a guy like that in real life. Exactly. Or that you would put up with some of the shit that these heroines do or some of the stuff that the heroes do either. Because sometimes the heroines are not all that cracked up to be. Literally right before I stepped on, I wrote in my group, I just want to warn you guys, I do not condone Walker's actions. <laughs> and everyone's because they're called like the red flag kings, all these guys. right? Like there's a million red flags warning you off. Yes. So it just was funny that you said that because... Yes, I don't condone this in real life, everyone, but I do love it, love it, love it in my writing. Yeah, I mean, if we can all be okay with having dragons and magical powers that go poof and throw things up against the wall with your just thoughts and stuff like this, it's okay to have a little bit more freedom in some of the more morally gray stuff. Exactly. You know, just know that not in real life. And if you're looking for it in real life, that's a different conversation we can have offline. (laughs) 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 As an entirely different podcast. Uh, (laughs) it's okay to like this stuff and discover that you're okay with it i mean there's a lot of people that have kind of grown especially with romance that whole sexuality of themselves and and trying new things and and going to the husband after 15 years of marriage of like can you please reach chapter 45 and and can we reunite this leader and kind of spiced up their life after how many years of marriage and self-discovery love how many new readers we've gotten in the romance industry lately you know it's become it went from being this like taboo thing that your mom was reading like harlequin novels and they were hidden in the closet to where like it is openly talked about across like Mm -hmm religion, nationality, like whatever socioeconomic class, like you're like people are in their smut era. And I feel like that's very empowering for women to like have this part of them that they don't 
I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of. So there's nothing to hide in the first place, but I love seeing it just like across my social media with like women you would never expect. And all of a sudden, you know, they're on to Colleen Hoover and Sarah J. Mass, and they're entering the romance world. And I love that. Yeah. I like to share words where we're like, ooh, vampire book. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing too, it's like, there's still this, even within the romance, because I've seen it recently and I'm going, oh, we're not going to go there. Because as much as sometimes it's the, the the readers that I've seen and some of the, even the popular influencers, quote unquote, on, on the Tiki Taki apps and the other apps that are like all about the smut. And there's been some shaming on those that may like still romance, but behind closed doors a yeah. bit. Or what I thought was spicy and now it's, you know, and what is considered erotica. And now this, you know, with the recent years, it's gotten to the whole, like, how else can I amplify this? And now we're on this huge, like, there's not a pepper in the world that's going to define how spice and hot this thing is and things like that. But I've also seen it where there's been that judgment on people that don't want to read the smut, quote unquote, or as spicy. And I think it's because at the end of the day, what we all as readers want is that story of the heroine, the hero having that happily ever after. Some of the other stuff that happens in between is nice. <laughs> it's great for some people. Others want it more than others do, and that's okay. Not yucking anybody's yum because they love smut should also equate the exact same thing if they don't want it in their books. It doesn't make them anything negative or anything like that either. Yeah, unfortunately, I found that people who often say that they don't want to be judged are doing the most critical judging. And that is a lot on TikTok. It's like, don't yuck me, but I'm going to tear you apart if you say something I don't agree with. And I definitely don't like that at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, I do fall more into the storyline. I do have some shorter books that are much smuttier, like the novella that came out in the Pucky Wrong series. It was only like 23,000 words. So its whole thing was kind of like a sexy Christmas romp, right? Mm -hmm. And then like, actually the only other Christmas like rom-com I have is also smuttier, but you will find in my books more, like I have a certain number that I don't go past in my head of like scenes because I want the plot line and the emotions and like the non-sexual romance to be, you know, also noticed at the same time. But also, there's a mood for those other kinds of books, too. So I just think everyone needs to, like, back off and just <laughs> let people like what they like and mind your own business, I guess. Like, the greatest lesson that I learned as an adult is when I'm on social media and I see something that offends me, I don't have to say anything. I can just, like, move on, right? It's ultimately, whatever I say isn't going to, like, promote social justice or like no one will care it'll be like crying out into the void the only person that maybe it would make feel a little bit better is yourself by saying it but then really like just who cares so you won't see me on any of my platforms ever commenting on anything to do with other books unless I'm praising them or I won't be ever commenting on issues that happen in book talk or anything like that. It, it's a lifelong lesson that has served me well as I can slide on by something that I don't agree with 
I don't have to respond. Right. And I think it's a lot of folks need to learn that lesson on certain apps. Um, you don't need to have a reaction every single time, whether that's a reaction to a book and like, okay, great, you're crying, but also take it down a notch. I know you're doing this because the camera is on and being loud versus also having that opinion of like, oh, they did bad because they had four sex scenes and there was no, pl- or, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, I could vocalize it, but I'm going, I'm not going to waste my energy on that because what's it going to do? There's nothing that's going to change it. And I know sometimes people feel like, oh, but you'll be another drop in the ocean and kind of maybe craze a wave. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I will fight the battle and I will take up arms when I need to, when it's worthy of my time. My day job is, you know, extremely intense and confrontational and honestly a headache. It's just basically screaming at people all day long. My books and my fans are this little piece of paradise that I've carved out for myself. And so I like to spend my energy when I'm doing my author things on just how much I love my fans and how much I love writing and how much I love these worlds that I've created and what other people have created. And that's kind of my lane that I stay in. And I don't know, there's probably criticism that I I don't talk out about like social issues and stuff, but I promise everyone that I do enough of that in my day job. Okay. Yes. (laughs) But, or also you don't always have to do it in front of people. I think that's the other thing too. Like just because I'm not posting about it on social media, doesn't mean I'm not actively doing something to help the community improve on certain things or, you know, social aspects of things. And me writing a nasty post is going to have much less effect than what I can do on my day job. Honestly. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a lot of work that could be done that's more efficient and proper and more worthy of a cause. And, it, you know, that you can do it behind closed doors or behind the curtain, which is usually the analogy that I use versus having to be in front of it and have you guys look at me and say, praise me for doing this. Right. And that's also the other thing, too. I just love my books and I love my fans. And that's what I try to concentrate on in the world. Absolutely. And especially when I mean, there's just so many things going on. I just want to sit back and read a good book and send that note to the author saying, good damn girl, you did so good. Um, and like, I even wanted to love him, even though he's an asshole or like, you made me really hate him. And then write that review. <laughs> right. In support of the authors and things like that, that the other stuff is just, you know, I'm not going to spend my time there. Exactly. But yeah, but I think it's good to kind of have these little conversations to remind folks sometimes that mm, vague posting doesn't help. And, you know, you don't need to be in front of the curtain all the time to make an impact. And also don't judge me just because I don't choose to put my personal opinions. I mean, yeah, that's happened too. Like, don't judge. I like my privacy and I, I believe I can still have valid opinions that I don't express in the part of my life that I've carved out to give me peace. Yes, absolutely. And we also, as listeners and readers, don't need to know all the needy details, regardless of what those details are, whether your sex life (laughs) or your political beliefs or your religious belief, because that's the other thing too. I'm like, I've had people say to me, hey, Viv, now that we're doing the whole Enchantress After Dark, are you going to like ask them because they had the scene in B- that included BDSM if they liked? I'm like, that's none of my business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to ask if that scene that took place up against the shower curtain was something that they did with their husband. I'm not gonna. Because <laughs> first of all, A, none of my business, but B, what happens if it wasn't with the husband? It was with an ex-boyfriend. I mean, we don't want to have that can of worms open. Okay. <laughs> Probably it's super funny, especially, you know, people in my regular life who like kind of find out that I write spicier. They look at me differently. Like I'm like, I'm like kinky girl. And I'm like, okay, 
I Mom of two. talk about this with you, but like also like back off, you know? <laughs> Right. I think this is just one of those things where like, let's not assume it's research can do wonders in making a story look believable. Exactly. <laughs> and I do. I have a book with Myla. It's called Monsters Temptation on Amazon, but it actually was so spicy that it was kicked off Amazon originally. And it was under the name Monsters Plaything. And it is very spicy. That was like what the genre was hitting at the time was monster smut. Right. And like people who have read that, then like I don't know if it's because there's monsters involved. Like there's no crazy like sex acts going on. It's like, I guess, cause there's monsters, but the reaction too of people who have read that book and then be like, how did you come up with that? And I'm like, okay, let's just move on. I'm going to go hide now. <laughs> <laughs> or that because the heroine, like this stuff that you as the author automatically are like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, guys, I have two kids and I work two full-time jobs and sometimes I'm tired. So like maybe the sexiest thing you're seeing is in my books. Okay. (laughs) And that's great, which is also sometimes why people read the books is because that might be the best. That might be their life too, that they're tired. Yeah. It's exhausting to be in charge and, and work and do all this fun, you know, quote unquote, day job stuff, adulting, as I like to call it. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I get it that sometimes we're curious about, you know, skill sets and things like that. But like, I'm always a, a fan of like, let's give them their privacy and not go there. If they want to share, you know, whatever they want to share with us, it's okay if they share it. But I'm not going to go like, so CR, that scene in page 45. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> These are the conversations you have, like at a conference, at a convention, at the bar <laughs> with friends, yeah. not the author, because you think that you have a social media relationship that that equates friendship. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we go to places, we meet each other and there's been times where we've been friends with people for years and never met them in real life. Yeah. And, you know, conferences are one of the ways that especially now after the pandemic that we're uh, peopling in real life. And uh, it is one of those things where like, okay, well, we'll have these, you know, can I get to know you moments, but still not, we don't need to go that deep. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Social media has been crazy because I have formed some of like my deepest and most treasured friendships on the social media platform in the author world. But then also it's, it's given people access to you that don't know you at all. And so sometimes, you know, the questions that people ask, you're like, you don't know me. Like, how are you feeling comfortable even behind a screen, you know, mm-hmm. like asking this author this or saying that to them, you know, that's been an interesting thing, but for the most part, everyone who slips in my DMS, I love having conversations with. So. So it's one thing to write the stories and, on, on, you know, quote unquote paper, write it down and, and get as as creative as you can be. It's another to hear it in your earbuds um, when you're having to proof your book. What made you decide to have your books in audio? I think every author dreams of hearing your story come to life, whether it's on film or in audio and hearing the characters brought to life in a way that can't be done necessarily just by reading something. And it's why like voices are so important to me and who I pick, et cetera, because, and, and covers, you know, like I have to be completely attracted to the person that's on my cover or I can't like have them be the face of my character. And it's been the same thing with audiobooks as like a way to bring these stories really to life, similar in a way to 
a movie or a TV series, there's, it's a completely different experience. And it's one that I think every author craves for their work. You know, these are your babies. These are your characters. You literally created them and gave birth to them. Right. Yeah. And they sound a particular way. And I know for some authors, you hear the characters in your head having full on last conversations about, you know, as to where the story should be going and why are you doing that to them kind of thing. And, and then you get the narrator and you're going, you're great. You sound nothing like the, the character in my head. And sometimes that will deter an author from getting into audiobooks. How do you work with that and that kind of scenario? Well, it's definitely been easier the bigger I've gotten. I've gotten more access to more talented um, performers who can make. I am the one choosing the narrators. I am, you know, the one making sure that they're going to match my characters. Whereas like um, for, I, I guess I really liked my first set of narrators for my first series that did audiobook contracts. But then it was one after that that I did by myself and I guess the audition just sounded completely different than what came out in the book. And that definitely was a downer for me, even though I appreciated the work that they did. But the last couple of years, I've had a lot of control over who's narrating my books and the level of talent. And so it hasn't been an issue because I know that these performers are going to give me what I'm expecting and, and desiring. Yeah. And I think it's having a little bit of that like what the characters like I'm having the conversation with people like you do realize that how when like I'm listening to you speak you sound different to me than someone else listening to you speak we all have our ears are, are different in a good way um and what I'm hearing as you sound is completely different it's the same thing with the characters it's you know for the authors and that and they may not be the exact same voice that you're thinking in your head but that still doesn't mean that you can't listen and enjoy the story I do think though that their voices become what's in my head. And I have tried to pick people who I think are going to be like that. Like for me, in my younger characters, I I always pick, you know, less mature sounding voices because I want that like young angst coming out. That's why I like Alexis so much who um, does my Pucking Wrong series because these are very like vulnerable women and she does an absolutely great job of hitting that vulnerability. It's pretty hard if you're listening and the character is 22 and the woman's voice sounds like she's 50, you know, like that can be something that really will take me out. So I personally am very just picky about the voices have to hit like the characters in my head before I'll accept them. And I do most of my latest um, audiobooks with Podium and they've been very good to make sure that I'm hitting my vision. Yeah. I mean, the casting of a book needs to match what the character is going to be. And like you said, I mean, Alexa was, she was raving about your books when I had her on the show a few weeks ago. She's like, Oh my God, this book's so good. Yeah, <laughs> I love her. She's adorable. I love her, but I can totally hear that vulnerability in her voice, the young and then, you know, yes. that you can kind of like assume things, you know, like, cause she's young, she's going to be naive. She's more vulnerable versus someone I mean, like, I know how I sound now in my 40s versus what I sounded like in my 20s. There's still the same cadence in a lot of things, unless you're pissing me off. Um, way more assertive uh, <laughs> than what I did when I was younger. And that's because we all age. And I've also, there, I've had friends that were 18 that sounded a lot older in their voice on the male side versus that voice crackling. Some of them skipped that age. Yeah. And others were sounding like the lower register when they were like 15 and you're going, damn. 
So sometimes when I see the reviews, oh, you know, like he sounds too old and I'm going, well, I had friends that were sounding older than that, but I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like Troy's voice is probably more mature sounding than like my, I don't know if Lincoln's like 24 in the first book, if I remember, Uh but what Troy has is like, he is able to get the attitude and personality of the characters like and that was the most important thing for Lincoln and Ari and Walker is like they have to have like a certain attitude and personality and it's it was way more important in that regard than it was okay because how I was writing them was not how a typical 24 year old would act in the first place right so it's like it wouldn't have matched if you had this like young guy's voice and he's doing all these like more mature and like crazy and like alpha things. Like, so Troy's voice ended up being like, you know, he was my first choice for these because he can capture the personality. And that was so important with those guys. Yeah. There's definitely a way how, you know, the character holds themselves and yeah. that the age doesn't always equate what you look like and or sound like. Cause I've seen many of people that are like, you're how old and you're going, they're like 14 and you're going, you look like you're 25. Yeah. Stop it. Like Alexis's key is that she can capture the vulnerability of the characters, right? Like she also sounds age appropriate, but like when my first Monroe's 19. And so I needed to be able to capture like the vulnerability and the angst. And she just, they both hit it out of the park. It's these two audiobooks and Ruining Dahlia have been my favorite audiobooks that have been created for me. And I absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. Now they've been, like I said, Alexa was like, Oh my God, I love this book so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I love it when the, when the narrators have fun. Yeah. She's become like a very close friend and she's been such like a great, like hype girl too. She's definitely the friend you like want in your corner. And we didn't know each other before the pucking wrong number. So it's just been another little gift that the, the world has given me. Yeah. And you guys are not should be able to hang out in real life because I know you guys are both going to be at the Dark Star Con in August. Yeah. And she's going to be at Readers Take Denver. Yes, that's well, right. So. We'll get to hang out for a little bit before. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's fun. So I know at the different conferences, there's always like, there's a bit of the nerves of like, I'm going to be on my table myself. No one's going to come see me. The narrators sometimes have the exact same thing. And I've had to, there's been a couple of coaching sessions I've had with some of the narrators. I'm like, listen, <laughs> chill. And I've done the same thing with authors about the Cause again, it's the whole like imposter syndrome, not getting invited to the party, blah, blah, blah. Or nobody coming to your party. Right. What are your thoughts as far as like, do you get anxious when you go to these conferences? Do you get excited Do you have like a safe word? (laughs) I think I'm more excited than anything. And I generally know how something's going to go based on pre-orders. There are some conferences that have blown me away. Like um, we just did Love in Vegas at the end of October. And I had a two and a half hour wait. And it was just like the line wrapped around the entire like ballroom. And I don't know, it was a surreal moment for me just one of the craziest moments of my life, I think experiencing that kind of just fan being awesome, but definitely in the beginning years when no one knew who I was, you would definitely (laughs) feel very vulnerable sitting at that table and hoping someone at the conference has read your book, especially because different conferences trend towards different things. Right. So seems like reader takes Denver um, and love in Vegas have been more contemporary focused, which has been great for 
the success that I've had recently in contemporary work, right? But there might be other conferences that are more like fantasy heavy. So maybe the readers won't be as like, (laughs) you know, excited about you because you don't write fantasy and that's okay. They'll still be people, you know, who have read some of my old fantasy books, I guess. So it's also about like letting people know that you're going to be at these events too. Cause I've been to conferences for authors where there may have been more of a theme, but I'm like, you know, I've always loved your book. So I'll go to that. So I know sometimes people get the conversation about like for dark star has been coming up because the focus is audiobooks. Yeah. And you're, you may have fans that don't listen to books at all for whatever the reasons or haven't gotten started or, you know, they can't or whatever the, again, whatever the reason they can still go to dark star and maybe discover a bunch of new narrators and also, you know, get to hang out with you. And that doesn't mean that because you're not into audiobooks, you shouldn't go to this event. It seems like readers who are really invested in these series, they want all the forms. Like I collect paperbacks, but I don't read paperbacks anymore. I read everything on my phone on the Kindle app, you know, but it doesn't mean I like don't try to get my greedy hands on every special edition that comes out of my favorites. And I think it'll be the same way at the Dark Star Con is like maybe they fell in love with Troy and Alexis and Pucking Wrong Number, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that they're still going to want like my special editions to like memorialize the love that they have for that experience, you know? Yeah. Or they couldn't get to see you at Reader's Take Denver because tickets got sold out. Now there's another opportunity for you to go to. Or like at a Polycon where tickets sold out in like 20 minutes. I know. It's like, dude, I I love it. But at the same time, it's a little frustrating as fans because I'm going, there's some people that for sure are not going to go, but they're still thinking about it. And, or maybe you're like, we'll see. And they'll get the pick and you're going, I already have like a reservation. <laughs> five years from now for this event. And you're like, ah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, we'll see how this year goes. I have the most signings of any year this year and it's a mix. You know, I have in April, I've got Denver and I've got a Polycon and one seems more contempt focused and one seems more fantasy focused. So we'll see how that goes. And then later on, I've got more contempt focused ones, but then I'm going to um, ball gowns and crowns in Seattle, which I'm sure will be more fantasy focused. So we'll just see if (laughs) we'll see how it all goes. But either way, I'm excited to hang out with my author friends and meet new readers. So yeah. And I think that's the end goal there is to meet uh, new to you authors, new to you narrators for those that have the narrators at the events and, and also just get to meet other people that um, love the same type of books and or give a new book style a try. You never know. Yeah. And it'll be fun having Troy. I think Troy is also going to be at Denver. Um, I know at Love in Vegas, like he came by and was signing people's books in line. The Pucky Wrong Number has been such a big audio book. Like it did so, so well in the charts and is still doing so well. And a lot of people like think of Troy's voice as Lincoln, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it was a really, really good experience for the readers to be able to get Troy's autograph, like while they're waiting to meet me, et cetera. And, you know, Dark Star, like where it'll be the narrators who are the main focus, they, you know, can have me as like the the secondary <laughs> signing some things when they're really excited to meet Alexis and Troy. But it's it's a good mix so that the whole world comes together for the reader, which is our goal. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that sometimes people are like, oh, you know, maybe the narrators are more the attention. And I'm like, honestly, for me, it's the whole package. So if I get to go to a place where not only is the author that I love and adore 
with their stories there. But bonus, I get to hang out with the narrators that also I loved and adore for that one particular story. I'm like, like in heaven. Yeah. And I think we'll have four. I don't know if the fourth one. No, we should have four of the pucking books out by Dark Star in audio. Mm-hmm. And like right now on the romance charts, all three are trending, even the one that's not that just went up on pre-order. So I think people will be very excited to have the three of us in one place after, you know, the experience of those four books. So and I think some of your other narrators might also be there. Um, I think Zara. You know, Humble oh, Brown. I love Zara. And then Lucas, is Lucas going to be there? Yeah, Lucas Webley. Yep, he'll be there. Yes. So Lucas Webley did my monster series and he did Rooney Dahlia. And then Zara did Rooney Dahlia. And Rooney Dahlia, I'm telling you, is right up there with Pucking Wrong Number for me in terms of like, they just killed it so, so well on that book. <laughs> Zara also did Make Me Lie with Troy, which is fantastic. And people have been like, loving. So that's actually exciting. I didn't know that Zara and Lucas were going to be there. So it'll be all my favorites in one place. I know. It's like, Ooh, yay. (laughs) Maybe I should just go as a fan. Like I won't even like sit. I'll just like be like hanging out with my friends. (laughs) I think the main difference between a book that has like, like for dark star versus readers take Denver is that the emphasis is on that building of the relationship between the narratives and the authors and having the readers have access immediately to both. Versus sometimes where the re- the authors, you know, are the main focus and then the narrators are nice to have kind of a thing. Yeah, I was talking to Troy about this in Love in Vegas because, you know, JT Geisinger and I both use Troy a lot. So I'm like, how are you going to balance that? I'm going to be jealous of <laughs> JT getting all the attention from you. And he like supposedly has a plan to like have us both. <laughs> Because I was like, I literally put you in every book, Troy. Like, I <laughs> like JT's gonna have to fight me for it. <laughs> and in this corner, we have CR. <laughs> exactly. And in this so corner, funny. JT. <laughs> it's funny because JT and I, like, I don't know her. I haven't met her or anything, but they're in totally different genres. I mean, they're both contemporary, but like she came up with her more like stalker obsessed uh guy. This in this last round. And then I have my hockey that's the same like tone of book. And it's funny because we were releasing within like one week of each other for every release of these <laughs> so far. So, and then I think we both had Troy narrating that. It was just funny. Yeah, I think it's just the whole sense of like having that that friendship that you're you you like you love something and then you introduce it to them and now they love it too. And in a true friendship, there's never gonna be that jealousy of that you're just gonna be like oh my god you got him too <laughs> yeah JT, if you're listening i want to be your friend yes yeah, <laughs> I, and i think too that's one of these things where we on uh, you know we have our, our own crushes on other authors and authors have crushes on the other authors and like they want to be friends and they're like oh my god and then to be in the same room with them you're like i mean you guys have your own fangirl moments with other authors yeah like i forced sj tilly to be my good friend at love in (laughs) vegas and she was actually so i had this special edition that didn't come in in time and it was like this tragic terrible thing because i had like over 200 orders of this one book and it was like we were struggling until like the day before to get him like overnighted to me it was a mess okay she was breaking the bad news for me and it was like kind of hilarious. And now I just like love her so much. And it's just an example. 
it's fun to like force all these brilliant beings to be your friends. Yeah. And it's saying, cause you know, it's for me. And if I have a conversation with them, like, oh my God, I loved her from day one, even before I met her. So it's not really a whole force thing. It, it's, I think it's again, that whole love of the community and having this one thing for sure. We know we all have in common and then finding that there's other stuff that we have in common. And those were the friendships kind of sprouts and the camaraderie, but yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to get to hang out with you at uh, Reader's Take Denver and at Dark Star and going to go like, Ooh, see how all this works and uh, kind of go from there. One of the things I do love to do and hang aside from having these great conversations with you guys is play the game of two truths and a lie, where you tell us three things about yourself and then we have to figure out which one's the lie. And I always say we, because those that are listening are playing along. I'm not even going to question it. All right. <laughs> tell us three things about yourself. Oh my gosh. This is what you told me to prepare for homework. And I'm like struggling. Okay. I, I don't drink less than... 200 milligrams of caffeine a day. I love Taylor Swift and I have season tickets to the Raiders. These are so lame. I'm sorry. That's like the best I could do on the spot, even though you gave me time to prepare. Are these the lamest that you've ever heard? No. I'm sorry for everyone listening. There is like nothing lamer than what I just said. No, no such thing as lame. Okay. But also anyone who knows me knows the answer to this so that's also super lame yes <laughs> but here's the thing not everyone that listening to the, to this episode today is gonna know you this is true they're gonna be like oh my god i love her let me find out and are and they're gonna be like okay based on what she said um let's see how well and then they're like or they'll discover that one of those things that's a lie they're gonna be like how do you not or like oh she's just like me she does drink you know no less because that was a lie than 20 milligrams <laughs> I said 200. and But that's also why I love this game is that it's all in the details. And it could be that you love one thing, but not that team. And you can, you know, do this or that, or you kind of a lot of fun stuff. When I post this in my fan group, though, everyone will know the answer. Oh, yes. Kind of funny. Yes. But that's the thing I'm, I'm expected of the fan groups <laughs> to know this stuff. So I know that you do love Taylor Swift. Yeah, you do know that. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> See the other two things. Okay. Really? Season tickets. So you could be a fan, but not necessarily hold season tickets, right? And again, mm-hmm. the amount that you gave me on the coffee. <laughs> so exactly. I'm like, did she ever really do one of these? So these are going to be the two. So I want to say uh, the lie is that you have season tickets to the Raiders. No, the 200 milligram. That's the lies, 200 milligram. But I randomly said that because I told you I'm drinking an Alani this morning because I'm so tired and it's 200 milligrams. So it was yeah. like right <laughs> in my face. And since I didn't do a good job of preparing, it was like, oh, I'll just say that because it's right in front of my face. And I talked about <laughs> how tired I am. But you no, know, I'm a huge Cowboys fan, like huge, huge, huge. But when the Raiders Stadium, like I live like five hours from um, Vegas. And the Raider Stadium, when it opened, we got seat license and got, and we use it as an investment and we go to games. So we're not necessarily like big Raiders fans, but we love, my husband and I love NFL football in general. So it's nice to have, be able to see our teams come in and stuff. Nice. It's all in the details. But yes, literally anyone who knows me or who has read like one of my books would know that Taylor Swift is my queen. <laughs> and I have been a fan way before all the people who, you know, have joined in recent years. Right. Like, and since she's only like a year younger than me. So 
I have been listening from the beginning and have loved her through all the stages. Mm-hmm. Same. That's cool. Thank you for sharing all that stuff with us. So the other thing that I did give you homework on uh, was the guilty pleasure. So part of being a Patreon and supporting the podcast is that they one of the things that the exclusive content that they get is a quick round with the guest of the game of Would You Rather, where I ask you to be, pick between two things. This is your first time here. So um, you wouldn't have, but the way that it usually goes is once we get into that round of things, um, the, one of the questions is, would you rather let everyone know what your guilty pleasures are or never partake in any of those guilty pleasures ever again? And th- that's just saying, you're, you're going to tell me or you're not going to tell me. And people usually go with, yeah, I'm going to tell them that because like, how can I not my guilty pleasures? And then we leave it at that. And so I've always kind of said, no, nah, no worries, because when you come back to the show, we'll have that question of what those guilty pleasures are and then kind of go from there. Because again, I, I don't ask it, but I'm like, you know what? I always say that, but I never do. And so I'm like, well, why not? So now I'm asking you guys, what are your guilty pleasures? <laughs> guilty pleasures is probably like, honestly, I know I probably shouldn't drink as much soda as I do. But like, so Diet Coke and Diet Dr. Pepper is like my ultimate, just like, oh my gosh, the taste of this carbonation. I know that also sounds lame, but it's like, I'm always trying to be super healthy. Like I walk three miles a day. Like I have a a trainer to like tell me what macros to eat and stuff, but I cannot give up diet soda. Like I'm addicted. Rom-coms, just like really sweet, like I write on the darker side. So mm-hmm. a lot of my reading may not even trend towards like what I actually like love in literature to begin with, you know, but it's like, I need like palate cleansers. Right. So I like, don't even think I would talk about the books that I read for like my guilty pleasures. Cause it has nothing to do with like what I actually like. It's like palate cleansers. So I've told you how busy I am. Yeah. The schedule is so <laughs> regimented that like I feel guilty if I like sleep more than six and a half hours oh, or wow. or if I sit at night and I dare to like watch office reruns instead of working. So I'm just like kind of a crazy person with that. Like my every day I come up with a schedule that's like starting from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed every hour is like attached to something in a schedule. Like I'm at a conference, you know, like mm-hmm. oh, from 11 to 12, you're listening to a panel. Like for me, it's like, okay, eight to 11, I'm doing this 11 to 1130. I'm writing 300 words. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. My guilty pleasures are super lame because I'm just not at that stage in my life where I can like anything is guilty. That's not in my schedule. I will say. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of times people think that the guilty pleasure has to be the whole sexy boudoir kind of a thing. I'm like, listen, my guilty pleasure is X, Y, Z. And and that's just because you get to do it. And honestly, most of the stuff shouldn't even be considered a guilty. You should be able to, it's called self-care folks. Yeah. (laughs) I would say like diet, Dr. Pepper and diet Coke Nordstrom anniversary sale. That's like the only real shopping I do. And like, I'm pretty intense with like my skincare. So I would say that like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. You're like, this girl has gone downhill so fast <laughs> in terms of interestingness. No, I love it. It's so human. You can preface this podcast though. We had a more boring guest on <laughs> this week. Her name is Sia Jin. <laughs> 
Please try and not fall asleep as you listen to her bland descriptions. Oh, no. God. I think so many people are going to be like, oh, she's just like us. <laughs> just trying to get my caffeine in where I can, people. Yeah, I ain't telling you. It's, it's hard between family and work. And on top of that, I mean, there's it's the job of being like, it's, it's hard work. Parenting is hard work. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. You know, so no worries, Tom, trust me. Yes, it's been great. <laughs> yeah, the other homework that I did give you is because some I've had some guests go rogue on me, CR, where they've turned the tables and started asking me questions. And I'm like, no, 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 because I am I think I'm boring. No one wants to know about me or anything like that. I bring people, you guys. And this is your one chance you're going to do on air where it's not going to be considered going rogue or anything like that. Um, if you had any questions for me, I will answer. Well, we're kind of just meeting each other and getting to know each other. How about you just tell me what your favorite audiobook listens are for the year so far? Oh, okay. So we are on January 29th when we're recording this. It's going to come out a little later than that. And, uh, well, um, or you could do 2023 since it has been. Well, that's so in one of the latest episode of the of the year, um, I got asked the whole like favorite book that I've been reading stuff like that lately. And it's one of those where I'm like, well, I haven't listened. And so we had a real moment there of, you know, what sometimes depression looks like and, you know, over working looks like and, and being in a funk and not listening to things. And so I think that that was a great conversation. I've since then started, like I put things in my listening thing. And so I, I was start, I started, I'm not done with it yet. Cause you know, things happen. I got to pay attention to that. Um, Feed the birds was a book. I mean, cause here's the thing. I, I will remember the title or what the book cover looks like, but not who the author is. I'm so bad. And it's a new to me author too. So I was like, well, who is this? It's a retelling of, um, uh, Mary Poppins and it's a, like a novella and it was immersive. And I think that's one of the things that I liked about it. Let's see, there it is. Okay. It was Dakota Wild, So that's the author. And the narrators are Jacqueline Kelsall and Para, who is a, a VO worker and people have known him more on, on his, for his Patreon and some of the sexy stuff that he has been narrating over on the uh, social medias, IG and, and Tiki Taki. Um, it's about three hours long. And, um, I just haven't had, I'm almost done with it, but it's been really interesting because of the whole immersiveness of it all. And, you know, some of the sound effects and Para is mute and he was, he just new to narrating full length like this, as far as book stuff goes, um, or scripted stuff, but he has done such a phenomenal job. So that's one of those where I'm like, oh, okay, that's a retelling. That's something too, that I'm kind of getting more into this year that I put on my things to do list. Cause I love some of these things and like kind of seeing the different twists that you guys give to some of these stories or how things could have been if this other person was, you know, nicer, maybe, I don't know, or what we thought would have been this way. Um, so that's been yeah. one of the listens that, um, that so far this year that I'm like, oh, okay. Feed the birds by Dakota wild. So do you like Emily McIntyre's books then? Cause she does that, right? Like she changes the villains to the good guys. Years ago, when she first started writing, I had one or two of her books and I've read them. And now I'm starting to now go more into the, from the audiobook side of things. Okay. Because the, to me, it's always interesting where, I mean, we all live our lives. It's happened to us in real life, right? Where we think, oh, you're the stupid cunt because of X, Y, Z. But then that same person that did you wrong is someone else's hero. And right. they're so sweet and they're so nice. And I'm like, if you only knew. But yeah. the reality too is, is that how someone is with you, it may be totally different with how they are with others. And, and I'm okay with also being the villain to someone's story. That's something too, that I've come to accept 
that I may not be everybody's hero. And if you want to make me the villain to your story, go for it. You probably earned it. <laughs> so <laughs> ask, that, ask that question. But that's true too. So I'm like, and that's okay. Not everybody is a hero in everybody's story. I'm trying to schedule this too. And I'm going, maybe if I schedule things, I'll get to things as I'm supposed to. Yeah. It's getting better. I'm like organizing things. I got my planner out. I'm doing, you know, like calendar stuff because I'm really good at keeping you guys as clients and authors and narrator clients on track. Not so much. Well, I would definitely recommend listening to Lincoln and Ari's stories because I love them so much. Well, that's one of the things too I love about having you guys on the podcast is, you know, I get to know you guys as individuals and then I'm like all about supporting you know, you guys. And then I'm like, oh, see, the blurb kind of gave me a different vibe than what you're telling me or you love them so much. I'm like, I got to know what, why she loves them so much. And then I'll pick it up and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I did slide that into to the red list as we were talking. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before I go and keep talking with you forever, because it just seems to be those kind of conversations. So it's been fun. So don't think it's been boring. Otherwise it'd be like, so we got to go about half an hour ago. Uh, <laughs> But before we do go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? All right. So next up is Walker's story, who you meet in the Pucking Wrong Guy. And it is more of the delicious, obsessed, just devotion that we've seen with Lincoln and Ari. But it's even more fun because, you know, one of the things that people love about the series so much is also the bromance aspect <laughs> between Lincoln, Ari, and Walker. And I've built that up more, even more, you know, in Ari's book. And then in that novella I released um, in December. And so, you know, it's going to be fun having that dynamic. And then Olivia is really different from the other two characters in that, like, Walker's just going to have to do a lot to, to get his girl. And so it's been really fun to write. And then right after Walker's book is a pucking wrong date, it comes out February 23rd. Right after that is the second part of my co-write hockey duet that features the same kind of type of characters, but it's RH. Um, and that comes out at the end of May. And then I have a little bit of break a couple of months before I release the next pucking series or the next pucking book. And that involves a character that people will be meeting in Walker's book, but they have not met him yet, but he is also delicious. So <laughs> there's a lot of hockey coming up. I'm definitely in my hockey um, romance era for the rest of the year. I do have one fantasy book that's book seven of a co-write with Miley Young coming out in July. I have promised readers for years to finish that series that I had started. That was my first release in 2018. I never finished book eight. And so I have vowed that that will be done this year and will give those characters closure and fans of the series closure. So it's going to be hockey and, uh, Two fantasy books <laughs> is my year. That sounds fantastic. And I think the fact that you guys are, you as an author are excited about writing the stories versus fine, I'll write it, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. It, it makes it so much more like, okay, we're going to read this and it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> well, that's why I try to write what I want so that I can have that feeling and carry it into every book. Well, I mean, writing a book is not easy. And whoever thinks it is, nah. 
Uh, uh, (laughs) A plug for audio. Ari's book just came out this month on audio and it's amazing. And Walker's is already on pre-order. So get your pre-orders in and listen to Ari because Alexis and Troy are just incredible as always. Yeah. No, I mean, I love it when the things are available for pre-order because it's almost like, what did I get? It's almost like when it finally does come out, it's like Christmas. You're like, oh, I did order that. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's been so much fun talking to you and getting to know you and having these conversations with you. So thank you for being my guest. Yeah, I feel like I made a new friend. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to see you in just like, what, two months for Denver? So. Oh, goodness. Yes. Not my anxiety getting hit at all at the timeline. (laughs) It's going to be great. And also a plug, if you want books from me in April, you got a chance at Denver and you got a chance at a Polycon. So Yep. I'll see you there. If you guys are going to these events or thinking about it, um, I know that some have already been sold out, but sometimes if you're new to going to book conferences, usually the event will have an attendee group where the authors go and hang out. And this is where the pre-order sometimes um, information is listed. Some of the websites, some of the events have now started listing on their website. But sometimes the people are not on social, they're not on Facebook, so they may not. So know that the authors will have books at these events to buy um, they're just going to be limited quality because shipping. <laughs> yes. I do not live in Denver or uh, Washington, D.C. So I don't live anywhere where my signings are. So if you need something, let me know. <laughs> yeah. So always, you know, it's see about joining the attending groups for the events that they're, the authors are attending or just flat out go straight to the author and say, hey, at this event, do you have pre-orders? They'll post it. If they haven't been posting it on their socials, you should. <laughs> if it's, you've never heard of an author and you're at this event, show up at the table and ask them what the book's about. And then you'll end up discovering someone new. But it's been so much fun. Seriously, thank you for hanging out with me today. It's been great. If you're not following CR on social media, I will provide you with all the links so you don't have to go hunting for it. They will be at the main landing page of Viviana Enchantress, the books. And guys, she's going to be at Dark Star 2. There's still tickets available. They're going fast, but there's still some available. So if you want more information about Dark Star, visit their website, www.darkstarcon.com and um, grab your tickets there. Thank you again, CR. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.